You're not the only one feeling or thinking what you're feeling and thinking, mama. I am too. Welcome to the Mom Bar, a pro-mama, mother-loving community focused on sharing simple truths, intimate thoughts, and real discussions about the journey of motherhood. All while committing to love the life that God has designed for you. This is a space for first-time mamas, work-from-home mamas, baby mamas, millennial mamas, stay-at-home mamas, single mamas, angel mamas, insert here, types of mamas. And if you can check more than one of these boxes, the mom bar is exactly where you need to be. I'm your host, Day Hayes, stay-at-home mama, recovering perfectionist, mother of three under three, wife, author, and most importantly to all of my identities are being a daughter of Christ. We've been kept out of grown folks' business for way too long, but hey, we're here now, so let's talk about it. As your MFF, mama friend in faith, I'll hold space so you can mind your motherhood, vulnerably share my own mom tales, remind you that you are still that girl, and decide if the issues that we're dealing with should be pumped or dumped. So get in, mama. We're going on a faith ride. In this episode, you may hear little feet, little laughs, and loving correction. So know this disclaimer if you hear anything in the background. If you're a mother, you know, you know. All right, let's get into this episode. Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome all my very important mamas to a new episode. You guys have already gotten the disclaimer, so you know what type of episode this is about to be. I am so excited for today's episode because I am going to be able to do something that I absolutely love doing, which is talking about the books that I love to read. A part of my motherhood journey has getting back to some of the things that I enjoy doing, which is reading. Now, you can imagine trying to hold a book and a baby is impossible. I've tried Audible, and it's cool. It's worked for a couple of books that I've read. I just realized I just had to give myself grace and time to read. So I'm still a paperback book princess. I love reading books because I love talking to the author and writing in the margins. If you follow my YouTube channel, you know that I've done book reviews in the past, specifically on female faith-based authors. In my time of doing reviews, I really realized that there are not that many female faith-based authors that are Black. And so this is an opportunity for me to highlight those Black authors, highlight their journey of faith um, and what that looks like for them, and share a little bit about my biggest takeaways from some of those books. Plus, I want you guys to have access to a library full of resources that can help you at any touch point. So let's hop on into the episode. So this book that I'm going to be reviewing today was actually referred to me by a good girlfriend. She knew that I was going through a personal journey of navigating my own relationship with God and recognizing that my faith is not my mama's faith 
or my friend's faith or anything like that. And it was really hard for her to put in words the ways in which I could navigate this journey. And also knowing that I am by trade a person who likes to push the envelope of beliefs. I do not take everything by face value. I like to inform myself. I like to figure out for myself if it is something that I believe. I don't just believe in moving with a crowd. And so this book, I'm really excited to review because when I read this book, the title itself, specifically the subtitle, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a book for me. So we're going to be reviewing Red Lip Theology by Marie Candice Benbo. So she starts with defining theology as an operationalizing of God's love by exploring what faith and relationship is to you. This was super helpful because I actually did not know exactly what theology was. And this was also helpful considering the title Red Lip Theology. And so I was like, okay, she's going to take us on a journey about beauty and feminism and what that does for her and her faith journey. And I got more than what I even expected. She really shows a great intersection of Black womanhood, Southern theology, the voice of millennial women, the shifting tides, and how millennials don't necessarily go to church anymore or the types of church they go to, and feminism. And doing a ministry in a new way that is both inclusive and revelatory. There were so many moments of the book that I absolutely cried because I felt so seen and heard for the first time and understood. It was like, all of the questions that I've had over the last seven plus years about my identity and what I believed and who I believe God called and shaped me to be in regards to the church community were finally acknowledged. I didn't necessarily get direct answers, but they were acknowledged. It's so hilarious. I was reading a book on the way to our last family vacation in Myrtle Beach. And I just started crying. And my husband was like, yo, what's going on? Like, what kind of book are you reading? And I was like, I am being seen in this book. And it's like this woman has been a fly on the wall of all of my lived experiences. And she positions so many questions about Black religious practices that we'll chat about a little bit later in this episode. And how sometimes we just automatically subscribe to ideologies because they're forced down our throats. She reinforces the idea that church is not just a building, but it's the body of Christ. And she also explores where God shows up through more than just Sunday service, which I think is something really special because as I have grown in my role and motherhood and because of some of the schedule challenges that I have with my husband's job, I don't always get to go into a church building. And so I have learned to build church and community in a new way. And it took me a long time to recognize and give myself grace, which reminds me of John 4. Like God told me one day, he said, you know, it's going to come a time where it does not matter where we worship. And he actually references that to the Samaritan woman 
in John 4. And it was like God telling me, I see you still raising these babies and making sure that you're developing a relationship with me. And that's all that matters. She challenges my own theology about my personal relationship with God and really made me ask the question, was it my actual relationship or manufactured by what other people have said to me about God? And have I truly taken the opportunity to learn God for myself and seen him in a way that is unique to me that I can stand on through any season? I spent less time marking this book up, although I absolutely love to talk to an author in the margins. But this time, I just was so captivated that I felt like I was in conversation with her to the point where I would think something and the next paragraph would be answering or acknowledging my questions. So the first part of the review, as you can see, I've really delved into a lot, but I want to get a little bit more specific. The first thing that I love that Candace does is she shares her approach to grace. She says that God gives an opportunity for us to unlearn and learn for a better next time, which I think is so unique because we have believed this concept of like, God will give you this test and if you don't pass it, as though it's about pass or fail. But what it truly is about is about learning God's grace and learning that there's going to be a next time and that if you're just choosing to unlearn and learn his way, then that's really what matters. She helps us to also use grace as a concept of asking the hard questions. Again, she challenges this concept in church where like, I know I used to get in trouble for asking my mother why. So you can just imagine how sometimes we place our parental relationship on God and we don't want to ask him why. But honestly, God wants us to come to him and he wants us to ask him questions so we can understand him better. And then she says that grace is an opportunity to shift your perspective, to see the brokenness in others and then give them grace. This one has helped me so much in my marriage because I have assumed that my husband is one with me immediately and that there's no process to it. And that that means he should be able to read my mind. Y'all, that's impossible and sounds ridiculous, but a lot of times I find myself operating in this space and I recognize I'm not giving him grace because I'm sitting here trying to do everything myself instead of leaning onto God. The chapters are heavily interpersonal and it takes you deep into her mind. And I really want to get into my next favorite part of the book. I'm going to share just one specific chapter titled God Made Me Black. It was so hard to pick a favorite chapter, but I'm going to dive into this chapter a little bit more in detail and maybe you'll see why it's my favorite chapter. So she shares that she was on a journey to receiving her PhD. One of the major things she experienced is Southern racism in academia. And y'all, oh my gosh, this is definitely a piece that I can relate to. 
I went and got my master's in instructional technology from Columbia University. And one of the things that I really had to navigate, although I'm from the South and I've experienced very overt racism, I never experienced covert racism. I never experienced how I really always felt like I had to defend myself. But it wasn't until I got to a position where I was like, you know what? God made me black. God made me excellent. God made me beautiful. And he made me to be in this space and he called me to the space for a reason. And so therefore I should be here and I don't have to bow my head to anyone. And I think that a lot of us are sometimes in those spaces where we feel less than, where we feel inadequate, specifically as Black women. And a lot of times we feel like we have to defend ourselves when God does the defending for us. And it leads me to another part that I can relate to, her experience with the whole strong Black woman misconception. I'm so glad that for most of my friends, who are moms or not moms or our wives have really released this idea of trying to be and do all things. Our self-assurance should not negate us from being seen as a victim. So in other words, just because I'm strong in this area doesn't mean that I can't be vulnerable in another. And really being able to live in this duality of knowing, A, where your actual strength comes from, which is God, and B, knowing that you should be able to be allowed to share and show your vulnerability and it be received the same despite you being a Black woman. She further dives into some more issues like white guilt and the burdens that Black women carry we know that that was evident even in some spaces that we don't always like to carry it. And recognizing, again, we got to give that burden back to God because it's not for you to carry. And my most challenging and favorite piece about this was recognizing how to make prayer less white. And that just simply means decentering whiteness in our spiritual <laughs> relationship. Now, most of us have never considered what it looks like to decenter whiteness in our spirituality because maybe we've never type of Christianity that was taught to make all our people to be submissive and that there were parts of the Bible that were taken out of context by man. And so this takes a very diligent and intentional journey towards really defining who God has created you to be and defining who God wants to see you as and who you see God as in your life. It's interesting because as I was reading this particular chapter, I began to ask my own questions of maybe why I struggle with seeing God as man sometimes and the tarnished relationship that I have with men in general, and how I sometimes place that back on God. And that's something that I'm navigating as well. Because if God says he is faithful, of which he is, and God is right and correct, why do I still doubt him? That is simply because there is a, a lack of trust, because I am still seeing him incorrectly and putting my fleshly beliefs of who he should be on him. And I really liked this chapter because it challenged me the absolute most. 
out of all of the chapters. And at the end of this episode, I will list a couple of unanswered questions that I am still navigating through my personal journey with God and figuring out what I want my faith to look like. But let's jump into my most controversial chapter. There were a lot of controversial chapters in this book. And that's why I love this book, because it really got me to thinking and pushing my own beliefs while also acknowledging my personal experiences in a way that I had never experienced, even in a church, a Bible study, or a small group. And that chapter focuses on how the fullness of ourselves should be allowed to experience God, and sometimes how we limit God to our personal criteria, specifically in the area of sex. Now, I'm sure if you grew up in the South or you were Baptist, what was told to you about sex in church was simply not to do it, remain celibate, that's it. And especially if you were either a boy or a girl, you got a different conversation about sex. And you also may have even received the conversation about shame, soul ties, and sex. And church has always presented sex as such a negative connotation to the point that women, specifically Black women, have felt the need to suppress their personal pleasure for the sake of maintaining an image of perfection in God. But Candace goes in on this chapter, really highlighting the fact that God created all of us, which means that God created your sex drive and that God accepts you wholeheartedly and authentically and still fully loves you. This was something I came to realization when I was in college, just kind of recognizing that my personal intimate journey with God may have begun a little bit later than some others, but recognizing that my past sexual experiences or mistakes did not define what God wanted to do with me. Matter of fact, it informed even more how much he loved me, how much he preserved me, and how much more he was going to show everyone around me that he will get the glory. Then she highlights again this concept of church shaming and how sex is connected to how society sees Black women. Just on one end, they see Black women as this body, this thing to produce this thing to carry and be burdened with. And that's reflected in church when Black women are shamed or put out of church because they may have had a child out of wedlock. Like I'll share just an intimate story for myself of how my first loss resulted in some not so nice, but I guess they were attempting to be kind in what they were saying, but really just didn't understand the full context of what they said was not actually coming from a place of love, which was that I lost my first child because I had not officially been married yet. I was engaged, but not officially married. And those type of statements are rooted in this concept of a submission and perfection in the eyes of man and not in the eyes of God. So I don't want to give away the entire book, but I also don't want to name the preacher she's going to talk about. And that's why you guys got to go read this book. And she talks about soul ties. Now, I, for one, remember being beaten down over my head 
over the concept of soul ties when I was in college. To the point there was like this private society of girls who felt like they were better than everyone and were literally the Virgin Mary because they had not lost their virginity. And these women would go to these conferences every year and the other female preachers who were married would position marriage as this ultimate status quo and ultimate reason that God is blessing them abundantly. Now, I want to be clear. God uses married women. God uses single women. God uses divorced women. God uses us all because we are his children. The Bible even goes into detail saying how it is actually better to be single because you have more of your time to devote to God than to divide your time between the responsibilities of being a wife to your husband and still trying to do what God is calling you to do. I will make sure to insert that specific scripture because I need y'all to know that because clearly that's a scripture that gets skipped over in church a whole lot. So this concept of soul ties, Candace really breaks down. And in short, she says, God created your soul. God saved your soul. So the only soul that you're tied to is God. And that this concept of soul ties was truly, again, created by the Black church community to put Black women specifically in a position where they feel shameful about their creation. And we are created by God. And so therefore we are created in the image of God, which means that all of us are good. We can't sit here and say that one part of us is bad because all of us are created by God and that God's salvation covers our soul regardless. So all of these different rants about how to break a soul tie and how to do this those are all socialized beliefs of keeping you in condemnation. And there is no condemnation when you come to Christ. God made our souls, guys. So I want y'all to drop that soul tie because God uses all things. Even our sexuality is whole and good. If you're still listening to this episode, I just want to say thank you so much. I know a book review is not typically what you may hear on a podcast like this, but at the mom bar, we are highlighting how multifaceted and multi-passioned we are. And I want you to be equipped with absolutely every tool you need. So let's get into some of the challenging questions, unanswered questions that I still have. The biggest thing that I got from this is that there is genuine inconsistencies with the doctrine. And that's why you got to open up the Bible yourself, girl. Like open up the Bible, read the Bible for yourself. If it doesn't make sense to you, pray to God, invite God in before you read the word and say, God, reveal to me what it is you want to have to me. Because there are times where you will open the Bible and what you read in one season may give you one revelation. And in another season, it will give you another revelation. So some questions that I still have, what does my spirituality reflect? So I'm being more intentional about my relationship with Christ as opposed to these religious practices that I've had my entire life. What parts of me have I not received as beautiful in God's eyes? And I don't just mean externally. I have experienced moments where someone has told me my boldness 
is not something that's going to be accepted by a husband and I need to learn to be softer and to submit. And so for a lot of moments, I sometimes suppress that, but I have to check that because God created me with that boldness and that fearlessness. And that's who God has made me to be. What unlearning is still required about my journey? There is no ultimate destination here. In fact, I believe that in Philippians, it is said to continue to press on towards the goal of perfection in Christ. Not for things to be perfect, but the perfection in Christ being that salvation. And so knowing this gives me hope that I still have the opportunity to unlearn things and learn what God has for me. How do I decentralize power in terms of spirituality and not navigating carrying this strong woman trope that I've been taught in church? I have not arrived, y'all. Just like the word says, I don't have it figured all out, but I'm taking every moment of where my spirit feels unsettled with something that has been taught to me or something that is being displayed through my behavior that I believe God is telling me is not true. And that's what we have to really get down to. How does the doctrine I believe practice and reflect the God that I believe in. So God is good and God is good all of the time. If that doctrine that I'm being taught in that church does not align with who God has told me specifically is, then that is not the church that I need to be led under. And I think a lot of us have religious practices that we keep because they are tradition, but tradition does not always leave room for transformation from God. And that's truly what our relationship with God should lead to, being transformed by his spirit. Lastly, I got to leave with this question is, how can I navigate hurt and disappointment with God and not just quote scripture, but actually believe and come to know that God understands even my hurt? I know a lot of us have also experienced being told all of these cliche scriptures to stand on. And a lot of times we don't feel them. And I'm not saying that you have to feel everything that God says, but I think that it's worth noting that God can carry your hurt, that God understands your hurt. Matter of fact, God knew that you would be hurt by some of the things that you have experienced. But knowing that you can be both vulnerable and vigilant with God and continue to get this strength from him to endure whatever it is that you are experiencing. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this book review. We will be doing more of these book reviews over here. So if you want these deep book reviews, or you're thinking about a book that you want to read, but you don't know if you want to purchase it yet, please review my book review and leave me a comment letting me know what books I should read by Black Faith female authors. Ways to support The Mom Bar are to subscribe to the podcast, share with another mama, or become a member of the very important mama club on themombar.co. That is T-H-E-M-O-M-B-A-R dot C-O.